challenge for leadership of the clan. Where do I know you from? Cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. You remember that? Shakespeare. Hey everybody, welcome to part three of Biopod Presents The Postman in three acts. So this is act three. The Postman always rings thrice. <laughs> Which, uh, credits to James for that title. Hey, thanks. And hello, James. Hey, it's me. Back again to talk more more Costner talk. More Costner fan gushing. Oh yeah. My name is Byron Hussey. And neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays the this courier podcast courier from his swift completion of this appointed podcast. About the postman. It's just so reassuring to hear. So, where we left off was Kevin Cost. I mean, the postman mm-hmm. was um, in a bit of a situation. He had been shot and mm-hmm. fleeing from the town uh, called um, Pine. No, it wasn't Pine View. It was the other one. Oh, yeah, the other one. Um, the famous other town. I don't know its name. Yeah, I don't remember what the other town was. And he was with Abby. Mm-hmm. And it was winter time, and they ended yep. up just kind of hanging out in a cabin for a while. You know how it is. Yeah, and he was um, convalescing. Yeah, they had this. Um, uh, he like falls unconscious and there's this like sort of semi surreal cut where um, he wakes up to like snow falling down on his face. It reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of, have you seen the Oliver Stone film, Alexander? I've never seen it. There's a bit where Alexander nearly dies on the battlefield mm-hmm. and uh, everything turns red. It's, it's like very, it's very surreal and there's like red, like snowflakes, I think. Do you think that or Oliver Stone borrowed that from oh, Costner? Oh, definitely. Yeah, because great. Maybe there's um, like a famous film that they're both ripping off. I don't know. <laughs> great, um, auteurs. Is that how you say that? Oh, uh, yeah. Often borrow from one another. It's it's true. So. The cabin scene lasts a while. Um, yeah, well, it's meant to be like a whole season, isn't it? Yeah, and it really sort of establishes the relationship between Kevin Postman Costner and Abby. Yep. Um, who is pregnant with his child? 
mm-hmm. at this point. But he's not the uh, the true father. He's only the what? What did the they bo- call it? The, the body father. The body father, right? Because it's been like. 10 years since the apocalypse so they already have new words for everything <laughs> i think that there's probably that's probably a thing now body father it. yeah i think it's um like a kinship thing in like anthropology body father mm-hmm. maybe not it's, it's, i don't think so i mean even if it is something i don't think it's it means like sperm donor yeah the donor. Well, you're the donor, I think they say. I know there are... Well, yeah, 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 that's how we, we say it with our um, uh, standard 21st century vernacular. But I know... I think there are cultures where uh, the act of sex isn't explicitly linked to procreation. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like an, considered to be incidental to the process. Right. So you can have someone being the genetic parent, but... but um, uh, not like culturally considered the parent. Sure. So that would be like a body father mm-hmm. type situation. Right. So in this case, um, the true father is dead, and, but here we have this sort of coming together of Abby and Kevin Costner in the uh, snowy forest. And um, by circumstance. I should just say, Searching Body Father came up with a, a lot of images of uh, dad bods. <laughs> Take a look at that. Body, body father. It's like the, like the body of a father. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some, a lot of dad bods. Um, some, <laughs> some mug shots, too. Mm, I don't I don't want to know what those fathers were doing with their bodies. Yeah. So, um, Kevin Costner is, is gravely wounded and is sort of mm-hmm. a, he's kind of a bad patient. Kind well, of a baby. He's, try, he's trying to crack jokes, I think. That's his style, cracking yeah. jokes. But the thing is, no one ever laughs at them. Yeah, he's not very funny. This has been a theme throughout the film. No one, no one laughs at his jokes. He's like one of those people that, like, thinks he's funny, <laughs> but, like, doesn't understand what is required to actually be funny. Like, a, kind of a know-it-all. It's kind of a know-it-all. Mm. Well, that is the sort that would quote Shakespeare people, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's like... So, what happens after the uh, cabin scene? Let's get off the cabin, because it was really boring. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, no, okay, come okay, on. Okay, So, um... Uh... Like, firstly, Abby sees Postman's Mark of Eight. That's a that's a critical plot element, which right. is resolved yeah. within two minutes. Because uh, so she thinks, well, you're one of the wholeness, but uh, well, you were with Bethlehem. So, um, like, what? Like, are you one of them? Does that mean you're one of them? Mm-hmm. No, of course not. Um, and then uh, there's an interesting sequence where uh, this this is very good. I thought Abby nearly drowns in two foot deep water. <laughs> I thought that was very good. <laughs> Wasn't it, um, was it like freezing water at least? Yeah, it was very like rapidly running. I feel like that sequence, they might have been at the mercy of whatever location they chose. So yeah. it just would have been like difficult to make it convincing that she's actually drowning. Have you ever yeah. seen um, Ed Wood? 
No, I haven't. Or Plan 9 from Outer Space. I have seen Plan 9. It was like that scene with like the octopus monster. Sure, I don't remember that scene. It's been in a the, while. In the shallow, well, it was like he, the guy was being created by the very octopus. I mean, he was being killed by the very octopus monster that he created or something like that. Ironic. And, and they had they only had a like really shallow, small amount of water, so he just had to like sort of lie in a pool and, <laughs> and just kind of flail the octopus around. Anyway, similar uh, situation, yeah, so I think. That's great fun. Um, and then after that, uh, when she's uh, the, like the roles are reversed and she's convalescing after her experience with freezing water, and he's taking care of her, and he gives her the soup made of the horse that she shot earlier. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, we get this very um, gratuitous uh, detail. I thought that um, so well, like you're you're the body father, postman. You, you like I'm carrying your baby. Well, how do you know it wasn't Bethlehem? You were with him for a while. Like he must have mm-hmm. he must have you know tried with you lots of times. She said, yeah, he did try with me almost every night, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't get it up. Yeah. It's pretty sad. It's just like because Bethlehem it, it is takes not a real, real man. Of, no, yeah, it takes a real lack of restraint, I think, to make your your hero be virile and impregnate this lady, mm-hmm. and and the villain be impotent and can't. Yeah, not he's not it's a real man. Like, it's all it's, uh, too much. it's overkill. <laughs> he's just pathetic. He's he, like he can't get it up. Furthermore, he's like balding. Balding, this little weasel copy machine salesman. Yeah, like this big head of hair and. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It's good, and it never comes up again either. You, there was no like he should have brought it up when they were having their climactic (laughs) battle. By the way, I mean, does a real man bring up another man's infertility? His impotence. He's 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 too uh, too big for that. Yeah. Um, uh, and we also get uh, during these these cabin scenes a real good look at Postman's really like stylish knitwear, which I don't know if I've mentioned before, but it almost seems incongruous for a post-apocalyptic character to be wearing this, you know, really on-point, chunky, you know, sweaters like like that you could get from like the Gap or something. I would like even higher end than that. Like, it looks like, like uh, uh, end peel. Do you think he, maybe he knit it? Well, someone knit it. I think the implication the of all these uh, these post-apocalyptic um, clothes are that they're just like made. They're like made in the post-apocalypse with what they have, but they yeah, all, everything a lot of the looks really are, like stitched together. Yeah, from other things. but it's all like cool leather vests and and things. I mean, it, it, I think if in in reality, what people would be wearing would be just like if you like emptied out a, a goodwill. Yeah, well, if you see what Kruger's wearing in in the first Pineville Pineview scene, I'm pretty sure he's wearing like stuff that kind of looks like it was stitched together from like the leftovers at LL Bean. Yeah, whatever. But that's yeah, just the thing though. It's like it's still like nice stuff. Like, oh, I think is LL really... being nice? I mean, it's I like... Mean, I didn't mean nice. I mean, okay. Well, it's... <laughs> like, JCPenney, then. 
I I don't I I I just don't agree. I think I I'm I'm just like okay. saying he'd be wearing like like uh, a a Miller Lite T-shirt. You know what I mean? Like oh, that's what they yeah, would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would just have like just trash clothes. They wouldn't yeah. have these like nice trash clothes. It's not like like a police athletic league shirt. Yeah, yeah, like a police police a pal shirt. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a deep cut. <laughs> Did you know that um, I promised that I'd donate money to them in, if they sent me a shirt, but I haven't donated the money yet, Ooh. and they did send me a shirt, so Maybe I've effectively don't. stolen from a charity. Yeah, eh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bother to be honest. Do they have like an? Do they make it easy? So oh, the yeah, back, yeah, I think there's a thing on the side. So the backstory here for the listeners is that uh, there's a uh, a famous um, paranormal investigator movie mm-hmm. that I made called uh, Barty's Brouhaha, and in in one of mm-hmm. the uh, scenes, I guess multiple scenes, I'm wearing a uh, police athletic league shirt. You're welcome, audience. <laughs> and then James wanted that shirt, so he um It's pretty nice. So he, he tricked the police athletic league into sending him a shirt. Um and I'm pretty sure they that good work. that shirt was actually Andrew's which, but he never wore it, so I s- took it. And he got it oh. as a gift for doing work on the Police Athletic League's website as part of his um, college. Such stuff. a socially motivated young man. I think it was just like a school project. I don't think it was uh-huh. like a real job or anything. So that's the backstory there. That was good. Very interesting. <laughs> um, in the meantime, Abby's burning the hut down, which is a shame. Yeah, she shouldn't have done that. What if they had to like um, turn back? I think she she wants to like uh, it's tough love. I think would be the term. She wants to kick the the postman into gear, and she knows that he won't move on unless he has to. And mm-hmm. she wants to keep moving because the pass is now clear. The snow's melted. It's become um, spring. Yeah. And uh, so it's time to move on. And um, this is when they first they hit the road, and then they encounter a new post person yes which is uh, and, yeah, surprising a lot of like stunning location work it was almost like um sound of musicy which mm-hmm. don't we we get a clip of sound of music when they're watching the movies yes don't we yeah and so there's like this big helicopter shot of them on a mountain which you know you're almost expecting them to break into song um but yeah then we then we meet this uh very short um young post lady who uh you can't tell that she's short in this scene because she's on a horse Mm -hmm. and she says the great line uh speaking of the the postman he's only the greatest man who ever lived (laughs) yep so it turns out this thing has gone viral like i I guess that's the term for it like it's taken on a life of its own Mm -hmm. without him and now there's a little post people running over all over you know oregon yeah. Um, uh, and so she takes the two back to, I guess, no, it wasn't Pineview, but wherever the hell the headquarters are. 
it's not clear. I don't think where the. Uh, no, the I don't think it's Pine View. Just somewhere. Um, and they see Ford giving uh, an address. Ford Lincoln Mercury, of course, is in charge of this whole operation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's giving an address to the other uh, postmen, um, the other couriers, I guess, uh, uh, allegedly written by President Starkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he points out in the like he he mentions that the capital city is in Minneapolis, which I'm not sure how he would have known that exactly because the postman didn't say that to Ford. He said it to another town. Is it possible that there was another conversation off camera with Ford? I'm thinking perhaps more likely was he he sent uh, he went to that town or he sent a courier to that town and that courier talked to the townspeople. Okay. That's that's the only way I can think I'm that would make sense. willing to suspend my disbelief on that, on that front Good. there. Good. That's <laughs> really something you have to do a lot with this film. Yeah. Um, so they've got this whole operation up. They've got uh, like a, uh, I guess you'd call it a processing center. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with like little cutesy labels on all the towns um, and they've got a little like rudimentary printing press where they're printing out propaganda leaflets mm-hmm. uh, against the holonists yeah uh, so, and they yeah and that's all so at this point like Ford Lincoln Mercury is is a much better organizer. Than <laughs> Certainly the a better postman, postman than the postman ever was. Yeah, because all this stuff, like the 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 quote unquote postman, has nothing to do with. I guess he inspired it though. He, <laughs> yeah. Like um, like Abby says later in the movie, he he hands out hope like candy. Candy in his pocket. Mm-hmm. So touching. Um. Uh, I and the kids—they just wanted something to believe in, you know. Yeah, why not the male? Which I guess uh, that's that's probably what we were supposed to think when Ford decided that he didn't want to race cars anymore. Because mm-hmm. like, what what one actually does think when one sees that scene is, oh, this is a kid whose interests just bounce from here to there, or whatever. Like, you know. Like he'll he'll go through this male phase and then that'll be that, but um, uh, really the intention is to say that oh he's he's had these frivolous interests but now he has something real to believe in. Finally, yeah. So he will stick with it because that's how that's how people work. Mm-hmm. So, um, and on on the on the propaganda leaflet they spell tyranny wrong and because <laughs> the postman is very literate and intelligent, he points this out. Mm-hmm. And and one of the young uh, couriers goes, uh, boy, he's smart. <laughs> uh, postman meets the gang after this. Uh, one of the new uh, post people is a Vietnam veteran. And this got me wondering, I wonder if the guy who played that was of the, the right sort of age, actually. Because this, if this is 16 years the future, the guy looks to be like in his sixties. You, th- you mean like an, a Vietnam 
Vietnam veteran should have been older. I'm just thinking. I I think what they probably did was they just got an actual Vietnam vet. Yeah. In 1997, and he just played the role. You're probably right. So he he was actually probably too young to be a yeah. Vietnam veteran as of 20. 13. I don't know. I mean, I, 2013 was uh, was not that long ago. I could picture somebody yeah. like that having been. I th- I think I think Vietnam veterans in 1995 didn't look as look at as look as old as that. Yeah, that's entirely plausible. I mean, if I'm just thinking back of what I who I would expect to be a Vietnam veteran. There's no way to actually verify any of this. Like, look up the guy <laughs> and how old he was, and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, you remember in Tropic Thunder, the the Vietnam veteran from that Four Leaf. Yeah. Uh, he 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 was uh, a bit younger than this guy, so. Yeah. But didn't he turn out to be a fake Vietnam he veteran? He wasn't. Yeah, he was only in the Coast Guard. Nick Nolte. But you know, if you're in the if you're in the Coast Guard during the the Vietnam War, then that counts as as being of that age. Yeah, that's true. So there you go. Um, so Kevin Costner sort of takes over. Yeah, he's like, he's he's back in charge of the op because he's a natural leader. He's he just like, yep, this is mine now. This is my job. <laughs> I accept all of your praise, and these legends are all true. <laughs> uh, and he and Ford gives him like the best house. Yeah, he's like, I'll he take it. Get, sure. Um, yeah, he can't get Abby to sleep with him in it though. No, but he and does call back. He to does the, um, the joke. spy on her through the window. Yes, I noted that. <laughs> yeah, in a in a later sequence when he's talking to the Vietnam veteran. He just just has a little peep. Yeah, peeping, peeping postman. Mm. But that's later. Sorry, I skipped ahead. Yes, so much and else in, in the between. In the meantime, we go back to the quarry. We have a little setup shot that I think is a matte painting, um, and uh, the holonists have intercepted a courier with some of his propaganda leaflets. And of course, because he's a very erudite and classically educated man. General Bethlehem noticed that you spelled tyranny wrong. Mm-hmm. So this is how you, this is how you can identify the great men, the true leaders. Mm-hmm. So they know how to spell tyranny. Tyranny. It is a tough word. To be fair, it's got like a Y. It can be a, yeah. How many ends? Two. Just two. But it could be one. You have to guess if you don't know. Mm, very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um. Then after that, uh, I'm just watching it on the screen right now because we've caught up. Um, Postman uh, is going on the route with the gang, and we have some very like technical horse riding sequences, which must have just been an absolute nightmare to film. But like the one where they all split off in different directions. Yeah, yeah I, I noted that too. Mentally, I didn't actually take notes, but I was like that looked like it was hard to. Yeah, but you don't like you don't hear about it like oh the postman was like a notorious had budget overruns because of all the horse shooting that they mm-hmm. did. So I guess I guess they had it all figured out. 
Yeah, I mean, there's people that's like their whole job is getting horses to do stuff. You just, just hire mm. one of them. It's like old hat. And, um, and Foster seems a, to be able to ride pretty good. Is there a uh, special word for like horse choreography? Um, there should be. The, there isn't. The, uh, it would be something to do with that word where they jump the equestrian. Equestrian, equestrian handling, animal husbandry. Yeah, that's it. Oh, and I forgot. Right after that is uh, the the inarguably the most important scene in the film, where a young uh, Anakin Skywalker, I guess, uh, has a letter for Mister Postman. Oh yeah, um, that's there's no Postman no way that's that's not. That's not Anakin. No, it's it's not Anakin, but it looks like him. Actually, probably, I kind of think he looks a bit like a Romulan with his haircut. Yeah, he he probably actually would have been better than um, what's his name. Oh, he's fine, and be, you got to be nice to him because he's not doing so well now. Well, he's not doing so well because of being Anakin Skywalker. So it's a fine film. I it's one of the great experiences of my childhood seeing the Phantom Menace. Now that's pot racing. <laughs> Is that the line? No. <laughs> yep. That's that's the line. Okay. Um, and so Postman, uh, he turns back to, to ride and get the letter. And for some reason, uh, this immortal scene that has just been like pasted into this part of the movie mm -hmm. for no real narrative purpose is the, is the image that uh, Costner wanted um, postman to be remembered for 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 all time. Mm -hmm. So, in this scene, basically the kid tries to get him the letter. So first of all, he's like hurriedly finishing this whole letter, just as the mm -hmm. postman's coming. How did he know he was coming? Like he had the letter ready, and he was like watching out the window. <laughs> like, he might how did have, he know? He, he might have heard from the next town over, like. But who? I mean, postman's riding really fast. How would they have time to communicate? Well, he's a bit of a slacker, you know. He probably stopped to like get drunk know, like in eat, the woods, eat some apples or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then the kid runs out, and Kevin Costner clearly like sees him and just blows right by him. So, <laughs> were, was he still not taking? his postman role seriously or did he just not see him or oh, he's just on a roll you know how it is when you're on your horse you're on a roll being a postman so you like don't bother picking up the mail <laughs> so then he changes his mind and turns around to go back so that's that's like yeah. symbolic of him yeah, like but... embracing his yeah, yeah, role yeah. but what it's was just, he doing like before what was the and, what um... was where was he headed Oh, that's true, because he's going the complete opposite direction after that. I don't understand. He doesn't turn around after that, and he doesn't stop to say hi to the boy. He just rides right fast and real, real fast. I, I mean, like, it does, where was he going to begin with? Wasn't yeah, he just out getting mail? Yeah, but it's, it's like, you know, no one has street addresses anymore, maybe, probably. Except so? that house looks that house looks pretty like in good shape. It has like bookshelves inside it and stuff. Oh, this oh, what that what is that? That doesn't have to do with my question. What where was he going? 
Where was he going? Um, to, to pick up the mail from the next town. So he didn't think that that counted as like a good place what? to pick up mail from. Not everyone has a letter. But he saw the letter. Um, I think he rode past the boy before he got quite out there. But how did he know to turn around and then go back and get the letter? Yeah, see, this is this is a question that's not answered. I guess it was just his postman sense tingled. I no, I assume that it would have to be that he saw the boy the whole time and decided not to get the mm. letter, but then changed his mind. I mean, that's the only way I can read that scene. Unless I actually had the the same thought about the, I mean, the postman sense. The, the revelation that the postman is sort of a bit of a jerk probably is not all that profound. But it's like, I mean, that's that's what I thought the scene was trying to do is like him him turning like fully turning away from that side of himself. But it's just like I just and it, it accomplishes that it does. <laughs> But what was he doing? Where was he going? Yeah. What is he doing? You know what I, what I actually thought about the same was it was just kind of like a sappy insert that didn't really belong in the film because it didn't advance the plot really. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely felt that way. But it's like, I just it made no sense to me. It made no sense. Um, but uh, in the very next scene, uh, postman goes to I don't know. It's like some sort of like pipeline, mm-hmm. and he has to climb right to the top. I. Actually, if I had my page open where they had all the filming locations, I know this would be in there. Um, But he just calls the town Elvis, Oregon, uh, which I think is... uh, Why didn't they bother to name their their town? It was like a, you know, an impromptu settlement, um, you know, created after the Doom War. Sort of like um, that town that they made after World War II in England, which I forget now. London. Yeah, that one. Milton Keynes, where um, if you study the... This is a linguistics nerd thing. Um, Mm -hmm. If you study the accents of the kids from Milton Keynes, they had weird accents because their parents came from all over the UK because it was Mm -hmm. like a post-Blitz, like, rebuild thing. So lots of of different accents intermingled and the kids just got, like, a weird mixed accent. But... but, So... What did that have to do with with the the name of the town? Um, it, insofar as that was like a newly created. Um, so who named it? Place. Who named the town? Uh, probably some bureaucrat. I don't know. And at, at what point in its history was it named? When, when somebody was delivering the, the first letter. Yeah, it was when they sent the first. When Postman <laughs> Pat ran around the, the Royal Mail. People love naming stuff. People don't pass up on opportunities to name things. Oh, uh, I guess. I, I, I'm i kind of like the the people that named, well, towns in America, actually, in that um, I always try to go for something that already exists and steal the name, like Paris, Texas, mm-hmm. Petersburg, Florida. Or Memphis, so, Tennessee. Exactly. Or Elvis, Oregon. Elvis, Oregon, yeah. So, um, I think it's like, yeah. it seems like it's like a ski place or something like, a maybe that could be it. I thought it was like a, like a oil pipeline or something, but it could be like a, a logging 
it made me thing. wonder. You know um, the scene in Marathon Man where Dustin Hoffman runs around the lake? I don't think I've ever seen Marathon Man. I've never seen... Okay, well, it's a, it's a little um, fact about method acting. Dustin Hoffman, they have this sequence where he just is out for a jog or whatever, and they show him, like, at the end of his run. And mm-hmm. before that shot, he actually ran all the way around the lake because uh, he wanted it to be real, you know? He wanted to mm-hmm. be really out of puff and stuff. Mm-hmm. And his co-star... Um, uh, whose name is escaping me now, but it's the Shakespearean actor. No, Marathon Man. Patrick Stewart. Um, Lawrence Olivier. Lawrence Olivier. Uh, just goes, well, why don't you just pretend to be out of breath? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's the, the clashing between these two uh, schools of acting, you know, the classical schools. Uh, they've probably got names. And then it the sounds like um, by Dustin Hoffman. That scene in um, Extras with um, Ian McKellen mm-hmm. explaining to uh, Ricky Gervais, Rick Gervais about how um, he's not really a wizard. Just uh-huh. pretends, just pretends <laughs> to be. And, and how do you know what to say? It's written down in the script. Very good. <laughs> yeah, it's a good show. Um, uh, and the reason that I bring this up is because uh, Costner is obviously very out of breath uh, climbing the up at the top mm-hmm. of this thing. And I wonder, uh, first I wonder how the unit got up there. Did they start at the top or did they make the, like how did the camera get up there? They would have had to climb or can you get there from the top or whatever? It's probably like a road probably. somewhere. Yeah. And then secondly, did Costner climb all the way up, or did he just pretend to be out of breath? He probably climbed some of the way. Some of the way. I feel like you could walk, you know, down a few he, flights. He's he's not known for his like obsessive method, is he? No, but he did seem to be genuinely out of breath. He did. He was probably a bit sweaty as well. Yeah, he probably did walk the whole thing. So Good act. that's. Elvis Oregon yeah, that becomes its real it's, name. Probably didn't oh. need that scene either, actually, although we do go back to that town later. Um, uh, next, uh, Postman has another cool jam session in Pineview with, um, you know, the band. Mm-hmm. And this time, I remember last time I said that they were playing pop tunes mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I looked into it and actually the... There were original songs last time, but this time they actually do play some some pop hits. And the first one that they play is Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that one. Um, yeah, which uh, made famous quite recently from uh, being featured in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep, yep. Which I have not seen. Hmm. Um, it's good. You should check it out. Uh, uh, sure. I'll, I'll hang out with Starman and Groot. Be a great time. <laughs> so I find it strange. It's like, why would you? Why would you not watch Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, I was burned out on Marvel movies by that point. But it's not. I, I mean, it's am. like not even like the other Marvel movies. It's more like a yeah. like a space but movie. How was I to know this? I had not seen it. No, I, I recommend it. Okay. Um, and and another uh funny the like like um vignette the um the short male girl that we meet 
um, walks up to Postman and, and goes, would you like to dance? But he's already walking away at that point. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't get to dance with him. But later, as a consolation prize, Ford asks her to dance. Oh, that's nice. I think I skipped this scene. Quite possibly. It's, I was trying um, to, you know. Yeah. I was trying to do some editing of my own <laughs> that uh, the editor of The Postman refused to do. Just tr- trying to finish the film. Mm-hmm. The way that they didn't. Um and she's actually so short that f- for seeing her the first time not on horseback, I actually didn't realize it was the same character. I thought she was like a little girl. What is... So um, it would have been kind of weird. Do you know who, the actress? No, I don't know. I, I don't think she's subsequently had uh, major roles, but I no. might be wrong. I'm just... Uh, we could look up her height. <sighs> At she's least. probably like... Four foot nine, five foot four, you know. Yeah. This is going to be a project. I'll keep looking. Um, you don't have to wait. This um, is the last time uh, that they get to have any fun, though, because after this, it all um, kind of goes to, to shit a little bit. Um, that the short girl rides and she finds a bunch of the post workers um, Mm -hmm. like hanging, but they're hanging by their feet, which is kind of like maybe they tried to make it less graphic or something. So Um, where, so where were, where was Kevin Costner? Were they all just sleeping in Pine View or whatever? Yeah, probably. That night. I didn't understand how this worked, like, spatially. Why was she the one going back? Like, what well, who was, she was on her doing? Route. I uh, think um, they had noticed that a couple of couriers were missing at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so possible she, yeah, that... she must have been playing catch-up with the roots or something. It's possible that I missed something because of um, my skipping some, some scenes. So I probably shouldn't be too critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few Costners in this movie, um, besides yeah, Kev. There's a, there's a child Costner at the end. There's um, Annie Costner as Ponytail. Ponytail, huh? I guess I, that's... I can't imagine who that would be. I, I mean, it might child. be the short girl. Oh. Yeah, it does look like her. That would be weird, though, if it, it was his daughter asking him to dance and saying, you know, he's the greatest man who ever lived. Daddy-daughter dance, that's normal. Yeah, it's definitely her. She's very short. Okay. So th- she, yeah, so she's, she's Kevin Costner's daughter. I never Annie knew. Costner. Ann Clayton Costner. And she's a producer. Allegedly. Oh, all right. She hasn't guess, been um, in anything since a video short called Lazy Teenage Superheroes in 2010. That sounds just, that sounds hilarious. Yeah. Sounds like a, a laugh riot. Um, the, 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 after this is the scene where Postman's talking to the Vietnam veteran and Perf's on Abbey, um, 
and General Bethlehem gives a little handy tip on journals uh, uh, after he hears – well, he sees the propaganda leaflets that they're, like, slandering him with, and he says that it's important for for great men to keep journals mm-hmm. so that uh, once they're gone, it'll be the only thing left that, that leaves a an honest record. Right. So um... – also, we learned that the um, Vietnam vet is also what, like a aeronautic engineer or something. Oh like that. yeah, he like designed the space station. Mm-hmm. Which sure, okay, I guess. <laughs> you can just say this is the thing about like, when you're like making stuff up, you can just make anything up. Like, <laughs> okay, why not? He's a uh... really looks like an aerospace engineer, doesn't it's he? Like, a... can you tell us a little bit more about aerospace engineering? Um. <laughs> You know, there's like math involved. Um, mm. Just like fiberglass and things. I'm not going to ask any follow-up questions. It's it's because if you ask too many questions, you um uh you spoil the illusion. Mm-hmm. So that the film hangs together. So uh yeah, what happens after that? Mm. Um, oh yeah, so uh, the postman spies on on Abby through the window. Yes, and uh, so at this point they decide to uh, start fighting back against the homeless. So they go mm-hmm. to Elvis, Oregon, and they set up an ambush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have the Vietnam veteran pretend to be sweeping, and then they all pull their guns out and start shooting. Um. And Postman kind of, like, he gets really into it, and he kind of shoots, like, uh, the sniper in Inglorious Bastards in, mm-hmm. in, like, the movie, where he's just, like, up, up the top of the tower, and he's, like, swinging left, swinging right, just, you know, <laughs> killing, um, killing hundreds uh, I guess and Russians. hundreds of men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Uh, and then they have, I love this trope, it's, like, ubiquitously present in bad movies the the turn off the sound for dramatic effect trick mm-hmm. as they're like shooting the last guy and it happens in battlefield earth as well Another i think it's, classic. it's yeah it's executed a bit better here mm-hmm. to be fair because battlefield earth is just inept on every level um except except but, spiritually yeah, it's, like, it's very it's got a lot of spirituality oh yeah, it's it's very spiritually sound, and you can learn a lot from the works of L. Ron Hubbard. But it's nice to see that trope present in any case. Uh, and then after they've murdered all these um, men, uh, uh, Ford, Lincoln, Mercury commits a, a war crime. He violates the Geneva Convention. What? Which? Uh, which? Which one is this? He gets all the bodies, puts them in a truck, sets the truck on fire, and send, like rolls it down a hill into a homeless camp. Mm-hmm. And, and how I is this a war crime? There was like a, a taunting note on them or something. I, I, I didn't look into it. I probably should have, but I swear that somewhere in the Geneva Convention there must be a thing about uh, respecting corpses, like not right. desecrating bodies. Right. Do you think he um, like now. buggered the corpses? before he uh <laughs> one can only assume not because he wanted to just because like it's like a extra like f you to yeah, uh, you know. the uh the baddies uh i have it here um 
customary IHL Rule 113, Treatment of the Dead. Uh, each party to the conflict must take all possible measures to prevent the dead from being despoiled. Mutilation of dead bodies is prohibited. It's important. So he's a war criminal. <laughs> it's okay to kill the people. Just, just like once they're dead, don't. Just don't, don't yeah. Come on. Come on, man. Like, be cool. <laughs> I, I mean, I it's guess just... like that that keeps you from like like keeps everything from being like in like medieval times when they would just like flay people and like put them up places on display. Well, yeah, exactly. That's the idea. Like, war is bad, but it can be a lot worse. So let's. So this seems to be like setting up an arc for forward that just like it doesn't go anywhere because it's such a like an obscene thing that he does that i thought it was kind of gonna set up this like contrast between oh the postman's gonna do things the right way but forward he's like he wants to go too far he wants to like you know like he he, he's just as bad as bethlehem but Uh then it turns out it doesn't like really matter it was just like a one one off war crime You you can commit the occasional war crime well, it's, he maybe he okay. learned his lesson, because like, they went on a rampage after that. Yeah, and it was his fault. Yeah, but they they all no one no one blames him. I do. I I I do also. <laughs> they and should they have executed kill, him. They kill Kruger. Yeah, Kruger dies as a result of Ford Lincoln Mercury's, <laughs> um, bloodlust. But he he feels okay about it. He um, uh, his last words are, I believe, "Ride, postman, ride." <laughs> yeah, it's another. And good then they song. execute a bunch of um, Pineview residents. Uh, and then after this, I believe Ford gets captured somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he himself he gets like the the Ford treatment, not the war crime. Bit, but uh, he he gets the like, um, the post office taking on a life of its own moment of surprise when he finds out that someone from the quote unquote restored Republic of California is also a a postal worker. Mm-hmm. So clearly, so, this thing is is spreading nationwide. Yeah, it's gone super viral. Yeah. And I think um, this is a like an oblique reference to the novel where um, uh, Postman discovers some enemies of the Holnists that um, uh, work under a bear flag. Mm-hmm. So they're not mentioned by name, but that's clearly the flag of California. Yeah. That and I sense. think that's that's how he gets to defeat them in the end. Although mm-hmm. I haven't read that novel, so don't hold me to it. Maybe you should. I thought you did. I, I, I think I'm. I think I may. At this okay. point, having seen the film literally dozens of times. <laughs> literally, um, really, you've seen it I, at least 24 I times. I, well, maybe not 24, but more than 12, I think. Okay. So a dozen um, point. Some other dozen. Yeah, so this other postal worker that he meets has also been captured, and they're both about to be executed. And then General Bethlehem, he decides that... Oh, I, I don't want to fight a ghost, which is nonsense because whether like Ford is alive or dead doesn't matter. Like he can still be a martyr if he's in captive. Like, mm-hmm. am I am I crazy there? Like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't really right. change it a thing. But it's difference. it's question not the ways of the script. 
mm-hmm. Ford needs to be kept alive, so he, he gets kept alive. And so Bethlehem pulls the classic, I think TV Tropes calls it the Blofeld Gambit. You know, this is the price of failure, Mr. Bond. He aims the gun at Ford and then turns it to the other guy mm-hmm. and shoots him. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a nice, nice cliche among yep. many cliches. In this film? In the film. Also and just, just in general. filmmaking in general. Um, so uh, Ford yeah. is now a hostage? Hostage, sort of? yes. He will be my tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he doesn't really like beat him up. You'd expect for like a, a guy like Bethlehem that he'd get all bloodied and stuff, but he seems to be pretty fine when we next see him but whatever yeah so is this where um now we encounter um tom petty yes (laughs) (laughs) i feel like a lot of people like if they've seen this movie like in the past they probably like forget that there's a tom petty cameo in it so upon rewatching oh yeah that's actually it's actually one of the only things I remembered about it. Like, oh yeah, Tom Petty shows up for no reason. It's mm. weird. It, like, did I dream that? It's yeah, and it's like he's playing himself. Yep. And, and he's Kevin Costner's the mayor like, of a a dam. Yeah, Bridge City, man. Bridge no City. weapons allowed in Bridge City. Which the real Tom Petty I hear is also um, in favor of gun control. Well, that's that's not surprising. Yep, one of those uh, one of those Hollywood liberal musicians. Typical, right? Mm-hmm. But I think um, Michelle Bachman or someone like that was they tried to use one of his songs, and and mm-hmm. he wasn't having none of that because actually, hey, it may sound like country music, but it's actually it's liberal country music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like country inspired, like uh, like pop rock. I don't know. Right, sure. I, I do not listen to that. It's not really, like, it's not stuff, really country. So. Um, uh, and it, it, they they don't mention like him by name. They, you're, yeah. you're famous. You're, I, was, I know you. I used to be. Kind of. Um, and I have a I have a little theory which I've been saving up for this scene. Mm-hmm. So we never. We never learn the postman's name, right? But we yeah. know that he used to be an actor in the times before the apocalypse. So you think it's actually Kevin Costner? <laughs> I think maybe Kevin Costner is playing himself. <laughs> I think he is. I think you're right. Yeah. After the and he and he learns to he learns the value of mail and. But wouldn't to have... wouldn't people sort of have that thing that he had with Tom Petty, where it's like, Aren't yeah, you? maybe. Yeah, I you know you. You're in dances with wolves. <laughs> Aren't you in Tin Cup? <laughs> Didn't you win the 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 Oscar right before the nuke started? Yeah, that was a long time ago, man. <laughs> well, you know, perhaps that's where the theory uh, hits a stumbling block. Maybe. Maybe he's just like a slightly less famous version of Kevin yeah. Costner. It would certainly explain the knitwear. Yeah, it would. I'm not sure why, but I'll I'll go. Very stylishly done up. <laughs> so, um, they hang out in Bridge City for a while, 
Yeah, um, and one of the one of the kids uh, has one of those classic like ADR dubbed in lines, uh, which is just perfect for this film. He goes, "What's up, postman?" Oh uh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. oh, isn't that sad? Kids don't even know what postmen are anymore. Yeah. Um. And I don't think anyone explains it to him. But anyway, uh, then and I think um. Tom Petty says that there are folk out west or whatever who he could probably use to amass an army mm-hmm. or something. He's just ready for war, Tom Petty. That's 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 the man to a T. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, and Tom Petty also runs like a um, some electrical equipment on the dam. I don't um, know if it's electrical. It seems mechanical to me, like run was... by counterweights and stuff. So, oh, yeah, there was, like, some electricity happening. Uh, maybe that was for maybe. the elevator. Yeah. Ooh, watch out for that. Yeah. It's working great, man. So, like, he has a special, like, um, zip line thing. Yeah, which I'm not sure west. if that thing like this actually exists. It goes wherever it Wherever it needs to go, man. It goes to the army, man. Because you just get on this thing. It's going <laughs> to send you to the army, man. You can MS an army. And then he has an army. Bada bing. Yeah, like magic. I yeah. think this uh, this one scene where he rides the zip line is uh, probably the film's one instance of perhaps like questionable compositing. It like didn't quite look convincing when he's riding the thing down. It looked a little blue screen yeah. to me. I, I thought it looked okay. Which is unusual because usually in the '90s the blue screen is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they had had it pretty well mastered. Yeah, mastered that like balance between uh, practical effects and digital effects. Mm-hmm. Sort of a golden age uh, yeah. filmmaking. Um, but whatever. This scene is also where we get uh, the the line from Olivia Olivia Williams that you give out hope like it was candy in your mm-hmm. pocket. Where I don't think even she can keep a straight face when she says that line. <laughs> Her um, um her accent gets kind of shaky towards the end too. She starts slipping into just, just sounding yeah, maybe. straight up more British. British. Yeah, there's lots of American actresses. Why not just cast an American? I don't know. I I don't know why they ever ever cast Americans as Brits or Brits as Americans. It never sounds quite it's right. Like, but they I mean, love doing it. Australian, and of course, like for a while there, Australians pretty much took over the American film industry, huh? Yeah. Like your Nicole Kidman's, etc. Like, I can't. Margot I just Robbie. can't watch that um, Daredevil show because mm. Daredevil just doesn't sound like anybody I've ever heard in my life. Like it, I just don't buy him I as a human being. Is he someone that I would have heard of? I don't know who no, Daredevil nobody. is. In... It's like there was no reason just to cat. All like, right. Like I guess he's attractive i mean he seems to have some muscles but like ah, so he's english or something is that he's english he's english pretending to be from hell's kitchen yeah see that's the thing like daredevil is like the most geographically bound superhero i think of them all yeah so why wouldn't you get someone who has that accent i don't know did ben affleck do the accent i don't know i don't i don't know i don't even really know what the the Hell's Kitchen accent would be, but like it's, well, it's like, just, you know, New York. Any any American would be fine. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know, American rolls for <laughs> Americans. <laughs> I'm sure you'll see a lot more of that 
in the mm. next four years, probably, maybe. So, um, the as Postman is writing the thing, uh, right before he gets the army, we get some more gratuitous Shakespeare quoting. He he does some Henry V for us. In peace, there is nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. Mm-hmm. But when the blast of war blows in our ears, then imitate the action of the tiger. Stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood. Disguise fair nature with hard-favored rage, then lend the eye a terrible aspect. What does it mean? Oh, it just means, like, war, probably. You know, war, fight. get ready for the war. Time mm. for some more stuff. You know, no one no one said it better than, than the bard. <laughs> that sounds right. Sounds good. I'm inspired. And then, yeah, very conveniently, we have our army for our final battle, which... Uh, it's it's just just amazing how perfectly it played into that uh, you know that formula structure of big army battle at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was sort of out of nowhere. I feel like they 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 obsessively showed lots and lots of really unimportant detail throughout the movie up to this point. When they kind of yada yada the amassing of an entire mar- army to resolve the uh, the whole conflict. And furthermore, he previously dissolved the postal service after people started dying and got them mm-hmm. to burn their uniforms but all the soldiers in the army are wearing postal uniforms well, they, they made some more man it's easy i guess they they probably just told him that they burned them mm-hmm. yeah nobody re- would really burn their cool postal just, uh, yeah yeah i burned it yeah <laughs> <laughs> you burned it. don't worry chill out man it's burned um and we have some more great uh, chemistry between the 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 you know the leading men Costner and and Patton and mm-hmm. I like how uh, um, General Bethlehem says Patton had Rommel Grant had Lee when when really Patton had Costner. That's <laughs> true. That's the real the real great pairing. Yeah. Um, and they call he calls him my little shipping clerk and then he goes copy machine salesman. Mm-hmm. Both frauds uh, makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah. It's um. And I mean, this, it's not. Yeah. It, I don't know if it's supposed to be like representative of anything, but usually that's not how it works. It's usually like, the you know, if someone's running an army, they're like, you know, from the military. They don't or, go to the front. Or if they're if somebody's running like a country, they're like. Uh, no, I'm just talking about like, like what are we really thinking about here? Like how. How oh. rulers are just like ordinary men. They almost never like are. Thing. They're usually like oligarchs. <laughs> yes. They're like very. They're from like a ruling elite class of like yeah. very rich people. And I just felt like I don't know what yeah. they're getting at. I this I it's probably like you know banality of evil. Anyone's capable of oh you never know where evil might you know mm-hmm. or greatness. That's, evil that seems or greatness. like a very. David Brin thing to say, like very like sort of glib, like ah, oh, yes, ah, oh, makes you ah, th- oh, mm-hmm. any one of us could ah, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. If the Nazis were around, oh, who would I? Would you? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Good men, evil survive. Good men do nothing. So, um, Costner and uh, Bethlehem have their kind of like uh so Costner runs out with or he's on his horse but he goes out with like a white flag and saying like we don't have to yeah. fight man 
It'd be great if wars were fought just by the assholes that start them. Something like that. That'd be um, great. I'd like to see um, uh, uh, Baghdadi, the, the ISIS guy, fight like Obama, I guess. Yeah. Well, it'd have to be Trump now. <laughs> Obama would kick his ass. I don't know about Trump. Yeah, I don't know. I, just, uh, I don't think I think it's like things are um, just more complicated than that, but you know, it's like... Yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe. So, it actually does turn out that they can do that, though, because they conveniently yeah. set up one of the rules of this eight. where we have the payoff from which, the laws of eight. Which stated that any member of the clan can challenge the leader for supremacy for... And you would think that would happen a lot <laughs> more often. Like, you think the people every day... We'd just be well, like, all right, I challenge you. What I would actually think is that that rule is there for show, and it's right. not really. It's like yeah. a Stalin, oh, it's a dictatorship of the proletariat. We're just, oh, like, we're in the process of making it happen. like, oh. Or mm. indeed a Trump, like, oh, we need to stop the Muslim immigration just until we can figure out what's going on. You mm -hmm. know, once we mm -hmm. once we figured out what's going on, it's fine. But mm -hmm. we need to figure out what's going on first, Right. whatever the hell that means. But in this case, I, I guess he was sort of caught off, caught in a, uh, caught in a, caught in a lie, kind of. So he he had to go through with it because he would have lost face in front of I mean, his men. I mean, like th that's how that's how I th I think it would have happened. But in practice, the the laws seem to be rigidly followed. So I mean, yeah. good on Bethlehem, I guess, for for being a um uh, a slave to the law. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like a little bit unrealistic. Like I think that it would be pretty easy mm -hmm. for him to be deposed, even if it didn't happen every day. You know, maybe every other mm. day another challenger. Like yeah, I don't think he would survive. Slight, a slightly bigger copy machine salesman. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really doesn't doesn't really wouldn't wouldn't work. I don't think in practice. It's yeah. Well, it <laughs> it's stretching credulity. So but at this point, you know we're. Two hours and forty-five minutes in, or whatever. Like, so they, so <laughs> we they shouldn't be surprised at this point. So Kevin Costner reveals that he is part of the clan. He is the yeah. Um, dramatically the rips his sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to reveal the tattoo. Well, not tattoo, the brand. branding. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they they fight. Mm, and it's quite a humorous wrestling match. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's um, it's uh, is it? <laughs> I just I just thought it's not like very, it's not particularly threatening looking. It's a little bit silly. I mean, I think it was like, sort of like, it was fairly realistic. I feel like most real Maybe, fights are like, pretty like pathetic. No one claws anyone's eyes out or anything though. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't very like sincere. You would think they're, they're, like, fighting to the death. There'd be a lot mm -hmm. of, like, biting and scratching and kicking and clawing, but, but they it's, do it's just, just kind of get bit into, of a wrestle. into it like a bear hug. Yeah, and, what I would um, say I was very impressive, though, was when they first start, they do this trick where they um, they ride the horses towards each other and they, like... Oh, yeah, the horse know, jump. ...catch each other in a minute. And, like, I don't know, just... Thinking about the physics of that, and then landing just flat on your ass on the ground, seems like like that would 
you can't do that. Yeah, I think. Um... So I don't know how they, like, I th- I feel like maybe the stuntmen wore like padded suits or something, but then mm-hmm. even then, it's just it's a it's an impressive stunt. I'll say that. Yeah, it was really cool, really epic, <laughs> epic stunt. <laughs> So um, yeah, they know. roll around on the ground for a while, and um, somehow Bethlehem gets a hold of a sword, mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't know like how he's even going to use it from the position he's in. Seems like he's just going to have to sort of lower it onto his head off. Kevin Costner slowly, like, um, <laughs> but. And then they have like an an exchange, right? Like yes, he, like he starts talking about some something, something or other. He gives a little monologue, uh, just a little mocking thing, uh, and you know you, you don't like, believe in anything. And Kevin Costner responds very sincerely, very very heartfelt. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I believe in the United States. <laughs> really good. And then immediately gets the upper hand for the, yeah, the the power of patriotism. And then I think and, uh, is this another um, another cliche the uh, last minute headbutt? Uh, maybe I can't recall if that's specifically how he got him. It is. He head yeah. headbutted him, and then he he got the upper hand and he kind of wailed on him. So there, I think, but I think that's a I think that's a cliche. Like, that's like. It's like the, how Darth Maul got Qui Gon, isn't it? Uh, I don't think so. Or uh, maybe he whacked him with the with the lightsaber, but it was kind of a. I think. Like um, yeah, he like impaled Qui Gon. Yeah, but they but, were like in a yes, grapple. but he has to stun him first. Yeah, I don't remember, but I think it happens a lot. And then there's another cliche, mm-hmm. which I hate. Oh, are you talking about the Die Hard thing? The Fatal Attraction? Uh, Do you know what I'm talking about? No. All right, you just go ahead. Uh, I'm talking about he's not worth it. He's not worth oh, it, man. Okay, sure, 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 sure. Like, no. You gotta fucking kill the guy. <laughs> he's a mass murderer. <laughs> Stupid. Like, what is the plan? Yeah. What is? It? What do you mean he's not worth it? No, we'll, he's um... not worth it. We don't kill anybody. Ever. They have, Anybody, the, they ever, have this any line reason. in um, uh, Battlefield Earth as well, I think. Except it's like, it's delivered with like the convincingness of like a second grader who's written a short story. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you don't have to kill him. He will be your servant. Do whatever you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's like maybe you can get into like moral. Uh argument for like maybe that's that's correct it's just like such mm-hmm. a cliche and just that he's not worth it line is is always part of it um, i don't i'm seeing it i'm seeing that sequence now i don't are you saying that costner says that to oh yeah he is he says he isn't worth it yeah um he isn't worth yeah it. so ford it, was man. gonna so again it seems like this this arc with ford that they're gonna play where like ford is like the dark uh, reflection of the the postman, but you mm-hmm. know he he doesn't follow through with it. Yeah, but then and this is how it always goes. They yep. they they spare the villain. 
Then even after that, the villain still somehow get, gets the upper Where's hand again. Oops, he and grabs the, you, you fucking idiot. You just held your gun at your side like a moron. Mm-hmm. And then the, the final cliche, the last minute shot in the back from behind from somebody else that we saw earlier in the movie. Yep. This is the diehard fatal attraction trope. Um, so you remember the the cop in Die Hard kills the the last oh, yeah, terrorist. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that's, and yeah, I've never Michael seen Douglas, Fatal Attraction. So, uh, well, Glenn Close, he Michael Douglas drowns Glenn Close in the bath, mm-hmm. but then um, he thinks he's done. But then she pops up out and goes to kill him. But then uh, either he shoots her or his wife shoots her or someone shoots her. Yeah, it's it's always. I mean, it actually yeah. even happened in um, Rogue One. It's such a common uh, yep. trope. Like, the character we left a couple scenes ago, where are they? <laughs> oh, they're shooting the villain in the back to save the I day at the last like, minute. It's, it's, a, it's a fun trope. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense because people in real life don't go down immediately upon being shot. Yeah. So if they I have think, a gun, then... I think I remember, actually, in the movie... Um, Judge Dredd, starring Sylvester Stallone. I think it happened like mm-hmm. three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> that film's not renowned for being a masterpiece, is it? No. So then that's it. War's over. Yeah. And Kevin um, Costner. Live and let live. Yeah. So Kevin Costner it. makes new rules. And actually, Ford Lincoln Mercury makes the new Law 8, which is that uh, mm-hmm. live and let live. For some reason. Yeah, and that's it. And then um, they, they all live. Then they cut ahead to the baby's born, and the male mm-hmm. is still going. They're in male yep. land there, right? Um, it looks like they must be at Bridge City to me, because, I mean, he did leave her there, didn't he? Because uh, there's, like, this beautiful waterfall in the background, which I feel like must have been coming out of the dam. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just like the location work on this film is just uh, unimpeachable. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> any I idea that, you know, what dam that is? Every bad movie looked as good as this. Oh yeah, um, I did learn, but I, f- I'll just, I will Google it right now. Bridge City, Bridge City, filming Don't location. Know location postman uh boundary dam medellin falls so that's part of the uh that's got to be part of like the postman reality tour yeah um, if it if it's in yeah medellin falls was um where they filmed uh pine view so so you can uh yeah two and one go to the the post office there and go to the dam Mm-hmm. So, See the famous Tom Petty Dam. And the uh so then there's the um then we flash forward to what, twenty forty three or something like that? Uh twenty forty three. Which Bingo. is thirty years later. In the in the sleepy village of Saint Rose, Oregon. Yeah. Which he so, was searching for the entire time, but you could be forgiven for forgetting that he was searching for it because there was so much else going on. Yeah. But um, it seems like the whole everything's back to normal. Like all this stuff yeah, worked. Kind of wearing '90s ish clothes again. Yeah, like really well tailored, futuristic mm-hmm. 
90s clothes because they don't have kind collars. Of, yeah. and no, was... the, the daughter has a collar. Not everybody has collars, though. All right. I think the, I think the men's shirts don't, don't have collars. Or at least one. It was the guy. Looks like they're just wearing suit jackets. So they built a statue of the postman, and it was from that famous scene where he decided to go back to for the letter from that boy. Uh-huh. And the, the guy was there. He was like, that was me. <laughs> it was like, from this famous moment earlier that had no impact did he, on the movie. Did he, like, did he, like, know that they were making the statue? Yeah. Who else knew? He probably, probably like it was his idea. Oh yeah, and he just chooses at this moment. That was, that was me. I'm just. I think that was choosing to say this now. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like the doesn't have a collar. The um, put the daughter is giving a speech about how great her father Mm. was. And this is um, she was the narration at the start. So this is the first that we're seeing of the narration since the start. I guess oh, it's kind of right. ended. I forgot there was narration in the start. Yeah. To be honest. Um, and then that's it. The movie ends. That's it. Movie over. So, uh, so and I was asking you earlier you know, whether mm. the uh, they built this really nice statue of the postman yep. just for this movie and whether that still exists. And apparently it's in somebody's garage. It's yes, it's just in a garage somewhere, sitting next to someone's car. Does, um, like, what are we gonna do with that? We gotta put that statue somewhere. It's gonna, it seems like it's going to waste. Um, I guess. Uh, yeah, I've just found the picture. I'll send it to you. Um, what wh- what did we learn? What did we learn from this? Um, well, mail is, um, pretty important, pretty good. but, um, so is hope. And that's really what the postman was actually delivering like candy that's, from his pockets. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, I think arguably, um, more important than the mail is, uh, th- the internet that we're using right now to, to commune. Yeah, and they sort of didn't seem to really um, mm-hmm. see that coming, even though the internet was it was a thing already. I mean, when they made I guess movie. if the nukes start falling and uh, electronics all fail in 1998, then um, you're not going to be left with much, are you? Like, yeah, you know, and most people, the people at that people point would have Windows 98. Yeah, would have thought like, oh, well, it was just like chat rooms and stuff it wasn't like a global yeah. communication uh, infrastructure that would have so. been back when that guy was banned from the internet which he, guy I, I, well there was a man who was uh, legally banned from the internet because I think he kept making flame war posts on like a skiing uh, forum mm-hmm. so he was banned from the entire Internet. Yes, the, wow. the all the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still banned? Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably hard to ban somebody. I it feel like that's actually probably not legal. Someone. I feel like you can't. Um, that's like violation of civil, basic civil rights at this point, isn't it? Well, 
Like you can't, uh, yeah. can't ever use a phone again. You you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get away with it now, but times were different in the nineties. Yeah. So we learned that the internet is important and would have made most mm. of this stuff moot. Um, I tell you, I think. Um, what what we what we definitely did learn is that this film was not very well received. Uh, it won every Razzie Award that it was nominated for. Oh man! Uh, including actor, director, picture, screenplay, and original song for the entire song selection. Yeah. And you know, um, the one person responsible for a great deal of those categories was Kevin Costner, yeah. because not only did he direct and star, and I think had a hand in the screenplay, uh, he also sings the theme song playing over the credits <laughs> in a duet with Amy Grant. Wow. It's really, he really uh... is just the full package, isn't he? It's, I mean, the thing is, it's like, why, why, why does Hollywood eat its own so quickly? Like, like they just love as soon as somebody missteps. Like, oh, here's all the you know, like, like they're giving the Oscar and for Dances with Wolves, and like a few years later, fuck you, Kevin Costner. This movie I sucks. Mean, I mean, maybe he shouldn't have made the movie bad. That's true, but it's like, why, why does it have to be the, like this? Like, it's like it's, it's a bad movie. There's lots of bad movies. Like, I guess it was expensive. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was the big problem. Doesn't seem like it should have been as expensive as it, as it I was. I mean, he he wasn't um, he wasn't a pariah after this point. I don't think like no, he's still acting. No, still sort of like the the whole Razzie thing. It seems like it's kicking somebody while they're down. You know. Oh well, yeah, but like those those are those are always snarky, aren't they? Yeah. Um, another thing that we learned is that uh, author David Brin. Likes the movie. He he, he liked it. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's actually not that bad a movie. Just needed to be sure. No, not really. Uh, I don't know about you, but like I always feel mm, like sort of I guess uncomfortable hearing like what authors think of the movies that are made out of their books because like mm-hmm. it's sort of conflicting. Because on the one hand, you sort of want to empathize them, and it's just like it makes it so abundantly clear like how little they're involved in the process of like realizing their stories and how kind of like mm, that's that's a bit uncomfortable but mm-hmm. then on the other hand like often it's it's a it's a very very good for the film that they weren't involved right uh, like cuz just can you imagine you know giving authors final cut privilege or like having them be executive producers like it would it would just make a lot of things not work yeah and it's like it's a completely different skill set and medium like it's not yeah. really fair and it's like you, it's, it's, it's impossible to take something out of somebody's brain and just make it literally real yeah i i think about like um Anne rice you you know like interview with the vampire and and that mm-hmm I hear she has like acquired the rights back to it, and she wants to make like a prestige drama of a la Netflix mm-hmm. or whatever out of it. And I just kind of like mm, it just makes me go like mm, you've got these like okay like uh, 
vampire stories for like cat ladies. Mm -hmm. And you want to be in charge of like making it. Yeah. That's enough. Right. That's enough vampires already. Like, come on. Well, yeah, the boats probably it. sailed on that one. <laughs> come on. It's enough. Uh, and like even when the like the book's really good and the movie's really good, like I think like John Le Carre on uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy that came out like a few years ago, mm -hmm. he he still like said, oh yes, it's very good, but the book and the film are two very different things. Mm -hmm. So sure they it's, are. It's it's just a, just an uncomfortable subject for me. Yeah. But 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 Bryn's take, I guess, seems to be a little more um, uh, like. Um, self-aware mm -hmm. the most most like he knows that yeah you can't put authors in charge of these things because there's a different different skill set uh and he quite rightly predicted that people wouldn't like it for the reasons that i mentioned in a in i think hour one mm -hmm. right wingers don't like it because it has like this scorn for militia survivalist types mm -hmm. and then lefties don't like it because it's you know flag worshiping mm -hmm. and very syrupy patriotism and then above all cynics don't like it just because it's very mawkish mm -hmm. yeah and so like it, 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 it hits all the the wrong notes with all the wrong <laughs> yeah. right people it, he, he quotes uh, this reviewer says it's mad max directed by frank capra <laughs> which sure that's a good one and i think that's a good note to end on so yeah. that's that's it that's the that's, that's, that's the postman. postman in three acts and uh james thanks so much for uh for, for uh agreeing to this this has been a really amazing adventure and uh i don't think it could have happened without you <laughs> the, the no biggest postman fan <laughs> in the world um yeah, I'm looking forward to finding someone else who will uh, talk for another three and a half, four or five hours with me about this this film. Maybe they'll make a uh, Postman sequel. Yeah, I can't wait. Start the lobbying Twitter campaign. Bring back Postman. I'm I'm on it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It's been a hoot. And um, we'll uh, catch you again later. Bye. Bye.